James, we've often spoken about how a lot of malpractice within academia, they're very dumb crimes, plagiarism. That is a dumb crime. Yes, it's a very dumb crime. I wrote a a whole thing about this a couple of years ago. Look at me being articulate. I wrote a whole thing. It was just a funny blog post about, um, well, if you're going to steal something, you don't leave it out the front of your house and insist that it stays there forever. <laughs> that's plagiarism. And that's except yeah, that's what that's front what, lawn's the internet. Yeah, except your your front lawn has a metadata that is yeah. searchable. This um, I'm speaking about this because um, something which has come up recently is this idea of buying authorships, where there are some forums where people go, "I'm writing a paper." Here is the title of the paper. If you give me a couple of hundred US dollars, you can be you can be authors, or you you can be a co-author. And there's different prices depending on what what order you go in. If you're a middle author, you have fifty bucks. Second author, a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, it's happening quite a lot. It's one of those things that we shouldn't be surprised. People seem to be surprised, but at the same time. There is a market for this kind of stuff, and there's forums everywhere where people are offering these things, and um, people people are getting caught out. Well, this is somewhat uncanny, Daniel. Um, by the time Why? this podcast is released, um, I found just just enough time to look into this myself. Over what? This the this last this wasn't this wasn't pre discussed. This no, is this interesting. Is not pre discussed. So I'm pretty surprised you brought it up. <laughs> What are you, what are you doing? You been, Tell me. Have you I'm, been I'm, reading my emails? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, without wanting to go, I mean, it's possible that when this is released, um, the sort of people who listen to this bullshit will have read my <laughs> other bullshit, right? So, yeah. um, I, I will direct people to admit, but, but also when this comes out, we can also have a link to what I'm planning to publish about this. So, uh, first of all, I would say go and read the link. You're an academic, you can fucking act like one, ha, ha, ha. But for those of you who can't be bothered or are sitting in the car, um, I did all of this independently and then after I uh, finished and sent it to other people to read, uh, they pointed out that someone else had already done it better. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> no, no, it's, 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 it's funny. It's funny and interesting to me because uh, many of the same things, a gentleman I don't know called Nick Wise, um, which is a marvelous uh, nominative determinism, um, because as far as I can tell, uh, what, what's been pointed out in this particular episode, uh, in this investigation thing, uh, is very pertinent to how we do business here. So I'll tell you what I found, and then I'll tell you what he found. Okay. Very quickly. So I was tooling around looking at this uh, from the perspective of working my way backwards, basically. Um, I was trying to match up Facebook marketplaces. Now, these are done in different ways in different places. Telegram is common. WhatsApp is common. Private websites are common. Obviously, you have a lot of control over a private website, but it means that you can't uh, – it makes it difficult to advertise. It means that you're, you're also in one place. It's not distributed. So, How does one get access to these websites? Oh, it's just a lot of them are just open marketplaces, right? Okay. Um, okay. But a lot of people from the subcontinent in particular, so people from South Asia, uh, use Facebook 
Uh, usually, though, they're using Facebook to shuttle people to WhatsApp groups and occasionally to Telegram groups. Now, unfortunately for them, uh, they're really uh, they're really lax. They're they're in uh, their <laughs> their operational security is terrible. No. So I started off with, well, they're not expecting to be caught. No one expects any scrutiny. This has been going on for a few years now, as far as I can tell. So what I found was some of the titles that they list on the marketplace go straight into titles that you can find in journals. Word for word. Yeah. Now, this is very, very dumb, and a lot of them don't do this because uh, they're not quite that simple. Generally, you list something by a topic area. So you might say, we're going to do something in inorganic chemistry related to XYZ. Rather than saying, uh, cyclopentadienol complexes of ammonia have been stuffed up the ass of a marmot. How about that? Look at me <laughs> trying to say something about organic chemistry and I've uh, inadvertently turned it into an experiment. Uh, no, no <laughs> just, 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 just a topic area. Because obviously if you list it by uh, title name, then someone can come along and find it later, like I did. Yeah, yeah. So I started going through uh, a journal and realized that the percentage of bullshit was very, very high. And this is a, a material science journal. You can, again, see the blog post for the details. This is a material science journal. So a lot of the time they study the properties of materials. Um, this is one of the areas that of sort of, uh, it's, a, it's a bit of chemistry, it's a bit of engineering, uh, it's a bit of manufacturing, uh, and lots of other things all sprinkled in together, you know? And they've got all these amazing constellation of interests, uh, the, the uh, conductivity properties of this substance, um, the, uh, the 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 stickiness, you know, the friction coefficient of this particular doped nano composition of something else, and it all sounds very wonderful. Um, very rarely does it result in something that goes straight into the open market where you can just like go to Dupont and buy the fucking thing. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's normally, you know, it's it's done for its own sake, and there's a tremendous amount of this research in the world. But what I noticed in this material science conference journal very, very quickly was that a lot of the content was not on material science at all. It's going to be a conference called the 6th Annual McFucks Material Science Conference. And then the first paper will be diabetes in people in South Pakistan. And you go, no, 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 not unless, not unless they have a nano coating. Is that in <laughs> any way relevant to the topic area? So I started blasting searches through this thing. There's papers on COVID. There's papers on fish. There's one about laser testing pumpkins that I did not understand. Uh, there's one on labor relations. There's all this stuff that's just been hoovered up into these conference proceedings. And I finally understood what the hell was going on when I read how you make a submission to a proceedings journal. Now, how you do that's reasonably straightforward. You say you're going to hold a conference, and then you write to them and say, I'm going to hold a conference. Mm -hmm. It is called, give the, give the title. I promise to do peer review, wink. Honest engine, I absolutely will do peer review on the conference stuff. Uh, I will be holding this conference on, give the date. Um, sometimes there's a, there's a fairly low charge per article. If there are, if, if there's bulk articles, it, it, it seems like generally a proceedings journal charge for more articles because there's more handling. Um, and it also seems as if the uh, open access submissions uh, cost money as well. 
So, so far so good. The only problem is we can hold a conference tomorrow and it can be called Dan and James's Big Fucking Conference. Sounds good. Like You like how I put you first? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Generous. Right. So then we write to a proceedings journal and we say we're going to take all sorts of submissions for this thing. We promise to peer review everything really carefully. Um, oh, by the way, it's an online conference. Mm. So we don't actually have to go anywhere or spend any money. Um, how about it? Do you want to publish the proceedings? And I say yes. Right? Yeah. So when you do this, either you it would be possible to, without any scrutiny whatsoever, take submissions for individual articles from people and say the conference is open for submissions or they can send anything they want. Or you could even provide a full service version like a paper mill where you basically do what you just said. You sell slots on different pieces of content. Interesting. Okay. And okay. people could just pay you the money rather than pay you quietly under the table to send you the article and have you publish it uh, for them. Now, I should add at this point in time, these journals don't have editors. They don't have their own internal peer review. Their peer review is the person who runs the conference signing a form that says, I peer review this. Oh, man. Right. So I did all that by myself, not necessarily thinking it was novel, but just because, I, you know, as you're well aware, when I'm compelled to do something, I somehow find the time, even though this is very, very hard right now. I found the time to do this because I wanted to. Uh, and when I finished, someone said, you should look at Nick Weiser's stuff. And there are 500 articles presently being retracted from three conference proceedings journals. One in material science, uh, one in physics, and I think the third one might be in engineering. Uh, and for the sake of completeness, I went into those journals and had a quick look through. And uh, I've actually got one open here okay. uh, because I was, I was looking at it uh, on my lunch break a little while ago. Now, bear in mind, this is from a material science and engineering journal. And the title of the article is Piecewise Linear Regression, A New Approach to Predict COVID-19 Spreading. <laughs> Fuck yeah. off. Right? It's nonsense. And if you read it, it's very obvious that it's nonsense. I mean, who has room for this in an abstract? To address such issues, researchers have been used several mathematical models from the very beginning around the world. Oh, God. So it's not, it doesn't look like, it doesn't look like the tortured text that is the auto-conversion of something sensible to something crazy, you know, where artificial intelligence suddenly becomes, um, uh, like factory processed smartness or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right? the tortured phrases. It yeah. doesn't appear to be that. It appears just to be blather. It seems to be human-written blather. Uh, and it all has the same – people talk about processes but not outcomes. In order to achieve this, we will put several words in order by performing an analysis which will have in it a variety of numbers. It's a dumb description of a process. It's not we did this analysis and found X and it's 90% no. bigger than Y. Unfortunately, that's not significant because Z. It's not that. 
So when you ask, Daniel, am I familiar with this? <laughs> <laughs> complete, complete coincidence. And it is, I, I have absolutely no idea because this is, I think, um, I'm actually not sure who publishes the Journal of Physics conference series. Um, but the journal that I was working on, the proceedings journal that I was working on was uh, Elsevier. And mm-hmm. all of these others are through IOP. Uh, IOP is the publishing company, the Institute of Physics. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's two publishers, two very large publishers, who've got proceedings journals that are very, very obviously a problem. And I promise you that 500 papers is the absolute barest pointy tip of a big fucking iceberg there are thousands and thousands of these papers now are they doing any harm well i struggle to find citations (laughs) to the garbage (laughs) ones I struggled to, I, the, the, to, to, to anything that would be in any way problematic. I mean, sometimes uh, there is a thing that fake publishers do where they take some shit and then they use some other shit to cite it later. Okay. So it looks regular. Yeah. Um, that is, I, I think, I've even, I presumed in a previous investigation that what, that was what we were looking at. Uh, generally, they can make it somewhat relevant, but sometimes they just make it up. It's just, you know, put in, it's like, oh, it's a number seven, and we need to look at citation number seven, and the article will be about diabetes, but number seven will be about granite. Yeah. Um, so, you, occasionally, you, you see you see that you see that from time to time, but a lot of the time, these things aren't cited at all. Now, if they're not cited at all, what's the problem? What's the practical implication? What's the problem? And I think that is probably the attitude that's prevailed in not dealing with this or paying attention to to it for so long. Yes, I think there's something. I think it's very, very unlikely that a professional publishing organization has no knowledge of something that I can find in a weekend. I think because, I mean, that they don't know. I think the fact that they know, but they're cynical and they don't care, and that it would be very annoying for them to deal with the problem because it just metastasized out of all possible scope. I mean, last year in the journal that I looked at, the Materials Today journal, uh, there were were more than 10,000 articles or something. The last couple of years, five, eight, ten thousand individual articles. Which you cannot peer review in retrospect. Um, I mean, you could go through and remove, say, the 550 material science papers of COVID. Or, and I love this, and I will be quoting this from my article. The 355. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've got it the wrong way around. I'm laughing too hard. There's 355 search entries on COVID for material science conferences, but there's 550 on fish. 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 
Far out. <laughs> you know, swim, swim, blub, blub, fish. Yes. They have to know. Was he? I think it's scarier if they don't. That they would know. But I, I think, think it's because the old- if they if they don't, it's not. It's not, uh, it's not a judged cynicism. If they don't, it's the most astonishing incompetence. So they're pu- publishing thousands and thousands of articles that are just utterly disposable. I, I think that's amazing. I mean, this is not – I'll give you another example that's, that's also from the article. This journal is not indexed in PubMed because it has nothing to do with uh, biological uh, life sure. medical sciences, right? But there's 155 yeah. entries in PubMed. How does that work? Because people are writing medical articles down and they're going into the PMC database or something like that automatically okay. and then they're getting cross-referenced into PubMed. A study came out or a preprint came out a couple of weeks ago, which uh, Brian Nozek, who was our guest a couple of episodes ago, shared. And uh, this was a preprint or a, as they call it, an economics working paper. You know, I, I quite like this idea of calling it a working paper. I think I think it better reflects what a preprint actually is. So it's that that, that kind of terminology. I, I, I it's one of those things that I wish we we would it would spread a bit more. Anyway, this was a study from a presentation, and this presentation was describing this study, which was on study bias in peer review. It's this idea that reviewers are biased as to um, who the authors are and where they come from. This particular study wasn't looking at where the authors came from. It was purely looking at who the um, who the authors were. And this was an interesting one because in this particular study, they invited over... This was done with a, with an Elsevier journal. It was a, an economics journal. And this particular journal agreed to send a review request to over 3,000 people. These 3,000 people were invited to review a paper and uh, it was either authored by a high status author. I'm going to go. Well, I'm, I'm going to come back to this high status author, a relatively unknown early career researcher, or it was anonymized. And it was it was a two t- it was a two stage study. So they were interested in looking at a what is the impact of um, um, bias or status bias on people's propensity to actually agree to review a paper, and the second one was. If they'd agreed to review the paper, how did it affect their decision, whether it's a revision, minor revision, major revision, rejection, or, or acceptance? And uh, the main result was they found that um, 23%, only 23% of people recommended reject when the prominent researcher was shown, uh, 48 when the paper was anonymized, and 65% rejected when the lesser-known author was the only author shown. Um, look, this got a lot of play online. Um, <laughs> but what I do want to say is that this high status researcher wasn't just any high status researcher. This was a Nobel laureate. I, I hadn't heard this person, but obviously if you're in economics, you probably would have heard of them. So people who were receiving this peer review request would have, would have gone, wow, this is a paper from a Nobel laureate. Or they would have gone, oh, I haven't heard of this person. Or it would have been anonymized. So that was the the main uh, the main thrust of the story, and essentially people didn't know they were in an experiment when they got sent the review request. They simply got this review request. You would have thought, "Hey, this journal sent me sent me a review request." <laughs> I hope this wasn't at a time there was a conference because there might have been three thousand people with their inboxes all pinged at the same time, ask, getting asked to review the exact same paper. Um, but if they chose to accept 
the review request. Then that was sent to a consent form going, hey, um, you're going to review this paper and it's, it's um, but this is actually, um, this is actually part of an experiment. Do you, do you consent, et cetera, et cetera. So at that point, they knew they were part of something. I think um, this is something which is difficult to do without consent. So mm. that brings its own things in. Um, but anyway, we have this, 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 this two stage that the status influenced one, whether people actually agreed to accept the, to review the paper and two, their, um, uh, their final decision. <laughs> what was incredible was that there was a solid percentage of people that, that accepted on, f- on first round. I don't know that, whether this is a thing in economics. Um, mm, I basically have never seen this. Is that they will, uh, copper wire was invented by two economists fighting over a penny. So I think that is quite uncommon. I'm willing to be disabused of that, but in my experience, they fight like cats. Yeah, and a solid like, and that also includes some people accepted it um, from the anonymous. So that makes me think perhaps knowing that they were in some sort of experiment influenced this response of whether they would actually accept a paper yep. on um on 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 first round. Yep, it That's- is Dan, 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 Dan. You're well aware of this because you are a psychological person. To some degree. Well, maybe you were a psychological person. I'm getting um, back into it. It's very, well, don't. It, <laughs> it's, it's very hard to, it's very hard to investigate biases in an experiment in many contexts for the obvious reason that the experiment interferes with the natural expression of the bias. Yes. And not the first part, though. Yeah. I'm tremendously suspicious of this paper. Why? Not because I think it's bad, because it agrees so strongly and violently with my preconceptions. I've been in the review process and seen good work just unnaturally shut out by people, I think, who were peculiarly dismissive of it when it was from... And I, I, I feel like there was a bias towards places that they didn't recognize or I didn't recognize. Institutions uh, rather I than researchers? Um, both. Okay. There are, I can, I can think of plenty of examples of total shit papers where someone famous got involved and got it over the line. Oh, yeah. I've read. Um, I have been in conversations with people where they've talked about who's really fancy that they can basically get to like ghost author or group in because they think that it, it'll be able to get in somewhere if they uh, if they rope someone in. So certainly that is how I feel people behave. I have a strong preconception that this is a sincere problem. The one that, I mean, Jesus Christ, this is what originally what double-blind review was designed to solve. And it turns out it's really hard to blind a paper, and it's fucking irritating. And people, I, I feel like people don't like having their biases taken away because it makes the job really easy. You get to be able to contextualize what you're doing and it feels more, you know, it feels more complete. And it's just like suddenly you don't tell you, don't tell you who wrote it down and suddenly it's all annoying that you have to go around considering things on first principles like a fucking scientist or something. <laughs> so I'm, I'm tremendously suspicious of it because what it concluded is what I already think. 
And because I am a perverted son of a bitch, that has come to, I've managed to get to the point where I go, I've always thought that was the case, and then immediately swing myself by a kind of learned reflex into, and now I don't trust it at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's quite a short it paper. a very long time to get there. And there's so much you need to control to be able to do something like this. I, I think of classic uh, uh, JEPG, um, uh, Journal of Experimental Psychology, general papers, um, where you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven experiments laid out one mm. after the other and i think this would have been a really really good uh candidate for that this being said it is a working paper so maybe that's what they've got in mind possibly yeah maybe they're going to keep working and use the feedback that they're getting and write a fucking mega paper at least you'd hope so because uh vernon smith yeah, yeah. you did say you did say him Right? He, he's a no, yeah. One of the very, very few economists I've heard of. <laughs> there you go. Very prominent. <laughs> um, I mean, and the only reason I think, I think it would be much harder if he hadn't got the Nobel Prize in the same year as Kahneman. Oh. Because that was the year they did behavioral economics and experimental economics both at the same time. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was kind of the, well, you know, who's not out there coming up with some theory of how inverted nipple market theory something, something, right? And obviously, you know, because they're all old fellas, economics. Wow. Yeah, you've got to go. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if you're allowed to have a suntan if you get the Nobel Prize <laughs> in economics. <laughs> um, it's, that's, that's a very prominent. That's a very prominent. I mean, an economist would be much better at spotting that than for I sure. Would I mean, who else can you even think of? Um, Kahneman. I mean, <laughs> you get a paper from Kahneman if you're yeah, in psychology. Yeah. Is a uh, uh, Granger did, but I only know about that because obviously the theory is like Granger causality is used sure. everywhere, not in yeah. just economics. I nearly said the beardy fella who writes for the paper, but my brain is telling me his <laughs> name is. Krugman or Krugman, I'm not even sure uh, how yeah. to say it. Yeah. Um, and Richard Thaler, and I only know that one because he was in the movie The Big Shot with Selena Gomez playing blackjack. <laughs> <laughs> and and now I'm tapped. Right? There's probably others where I'd recognize the name, but that's that's mm. all I've got. This is not mm. bringing a lot to the table, is it? <laughs> right? So uh, that's that's about as famous as you could as you could possibly get. Um, but I have never encountered a paper in review from someone who was quite that fancy. So I think it's a very extreme level of fanciness that is going into the paper if Bernard Smith is involved. And you cannot was, get more extreme than that. Who was the other person? It was an like early a grad career, student. Yeah, an early career research associate, Sabu Inoa. So Sorry, spell the surname. I N O U A Inuya. Um, my apologies to Sabu. And this is a real lady doing real economics research. Yes, same institution. Okay. So they they kept that constant, the actual institution, right, which so is they, the one that they right, both had. They kept the institution. Uh, so, but they took. But, I mean, 
obviously there's other points of comparison here, Daniel. Oh yes, you have the a, a white name. I mean Vernon Smith, unless you're called Whitey McWhiteson. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think you're. I think you, you you're coming up trumps on the on the on the white card. Um, I'm not even sure. I thought originally you said Inoue, and you were saying it wrong, which is Japanese surname. But this is not a Japanese first name. I have absolutely no idea where that name is from. So I, I'm not. What, what, what is clear is that um, people people wouldn't look at that name and go that that is a white name. Well, it's certainly certainly not an Anglo-Saxon. No. Name. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I. I honest. I honestly have no idea. Hmm. Um. So your suggestion that this is a working paper because I read this and the first thing that I thought was ethnicity, gender, hmm. but it wasn't even mentioned within within the discussion. Oh. So I was really? thinking. I'm thinking this is an enormous oversight that you only think that any responses to this is purely due to status. There are other right, factors in right, play. Right. These were presumably the, I mean, this is from, I mean, we're talking about a famous experimental economist who's studying, then this is a paper, uh, this, this is from their lab thing, right? From their field, from their research area, yeah. Right. Um, there's so many ways you could split this up, and I bet, I bet... It, it would change. Hmm. Um, you can't be. I mean, this feels more like a psychological experiment with uh, psychological um, components, where you, you your sort of trade craft and being able to run something like this needs to be sophisticated. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Not flair. <laughs> <laughs> But the fact that you've got multiple overlapping biases, and it, is there any indication in the paper that basically they're saying we are trying to turn this up to eleven as much as humanly possible? No, right. It was so, high status and low status, but this is like extremely, okay. yeah. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But I mean, they've just and the, the, these are authors of the same because you wouldn't use someone else's name. Or maybe these, because these, you'd have to get them involved, but then they'd be an author anyway. So, yeah, right. So, I mean, I can see, I can see the value of them tying it down to the context of us, we here mm. in this mm. paper with the circumstances that we have. This is what this represents. But if you're going to say anything more broadly about it, you've deliberately done something that's not generalizable, and I appreciate that because it is about you the authors, and your yep. experience in the world. But at the same time, if that's as far as it goes, I I would really like to, I think the, the, the far more valuable than Nobel Prize winner does better than literally anyone else, is what are the mechanics of exactly how that works. Is it a, I mean, we've got institution control. I mean, they're in the same lab working together. Fine. We have institution mm. control. Um, you could pick someone with a sim similarly non-WASP name from anywhere yep. uh, who had uh, reasonably high prominence but was still junior. Uh, you could change the title. 
you could change. I mean, if, if people are better at names than me, um, you could change the perceived country of origin. It'd be very easy to, I think yeah. people would recognize a, a Russian or a German name very readily. Sure. Um, because that, I mean, they're incredibly distinctive, even in, uh, even in English. Um, there, there are ways that you can you can you can turn the values up and down. They of course they can they contextualize status by Google by by number of citations. So they said this guy is a Nobel laureate and fifty thousand citations. Um, here is an early, early career research associate, a hundred citations. So you can just get you can you can you can just get people who are comparable on on citation numbers, but then different on on their names. What was the what was this what was the sample size? Uh, three thousand were invited. I oh, think mother of Christ, three thousand, two thousand, like either either declined or, or or accepted. Was there an acceptance? Uh, is there an acceptance rate for the individual authors? Because a lot of the time yes. those are sent up front. What happened to that? So there was also status bias there. So people were more likely to accept for the paper that was written by the Nobel laureate. Surprise, yep. surprise. This is interesting because abstracts don't really give you that much information. So many times I'll read an abstract going, that's kind of interesting, but I don't know if I want to accept that because I haven't seen the whole paper. Sometimes, some journals that I review for occasionally, they do actually send you the entire paper. So I can read through it and go, am I going to invest my time in doing this? Or it's a paper that is pre-printed because I know about it. And that makes my decision a lot easier. But really, these people made their decision based on, okay, we have a short abstract. Am I going to review this? Well, it's a Nobel laureate. Maybe this is interesting. Maybe this is going to be worth my time. Or I haven't heard of this person. I don't know. Or it's anonymous. I don't know. So that sort of finding doesn't surprise me. No. No, look, nor should it. Um People it's made their decision based on the information that they had, and the information they had was an abstract plus a name. Okay. So, look, I hesitate to even ask this, but a lot of the time, Daniel, there's a fuss somewhere. And then because you also want to participate in the fuss, you then bring this to me so I can mm. persistently misunderstand it. <laughs> okay. That's the MO of the show. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. It is. And we, we've settled into a sort of happy medium of, of uh, me asking impertinent questions about something you've had more time to look at than me. Yeah. Was, was there a sort of, I'm, I'm interested in what other people, here's, here's, here's the thing. I feel like now, when it comes to designing behavioral experiments, I know a lot of people who are much better at it than I am, who would be able to think it through more immediately and do it really well are there any other pertinent points that other people pointed out the main thing was the sex and ethnicity um and obviously the fact that people knew they were an experiment by the second stage sorry what's the what's this what's the sex thing that uh one was a male name one was a female name is it yeah. Are you sure? That's what. Yeah, that's what people people were saying. Dan. Yeah. It. That's what people were saying is one thing, man. But did you know that? I mean, see, so you said Sebiu. 
That's quite a quite a nice name. I like that. You know, so it's kind of gentle. Did you know that name had any sort of like where's where's the sort of uh, gender tachometer on that for you? Because mine's at fifty fifty. Yeah, mine is also at fifty fifty. Okay, but people, so yeah. How is how are, how are people supposed to know that? You know what? I'm just going to put this into LinkedIn. Do it. Uh, I have found seven men. There you go. That's that's a pretty good indication. That that's a pretty good indication. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of us had the slight idea because you said, we didn't, "Yeah." Well, you, you said. Uh, Presumably, there's a, a gender bias in that. I'm 100% willing to believe that, especially in economics. But I am looking through a bunch of very serious-looking gentlemen in nice suits whose name is Sabio, and it appears that they are from a combination of that name is that city is in Libya, that is in Niger, and so is that because it says Niger. Okay, so, um. We didn't know that. No. <clears throat> Until just now. Mm. And in fact, anyone who's kicking up about the gender bias of that obviously didn't know that either. Yeah. Right. So I think we can we can consider that not to be particularly well controlled. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 the ethnicity that's that that's very clear. Clear differences right. there. Yeah. Uh, except that the best we could do was non-wasp. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, that's that's still quite pertinent. I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah. This brought on a big discussion of should we be doing double blind reviews? One big thing we've been talking about is, oh, you know, transparency is great. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be better for early career researchers. Let's preprint everything. Let's do all this kind of stuff. Um, but, um, people have been talking about, well, you know, based on the status bias, we should actually be anonymizing, anonymizing papers. Um, I'm. I don't know. I'm not convinced with this. One because the usually a lot of the journals that I review for they send an abstract and they don't send the authors, which is probably a good idea. Mm. Probably because of this. Probably because of this very bias. Three well, quarters of the time, I know who, who who's authoring them, even without even seeing them. Yeah, and there's no citations, uh, and there's no description of past methods in an abstract, so you don't have anything to go on. It's just. The vibe. But well, you make the a description field, of the. You make, yeah, of course. So you make a field reasonably sized. They use a certain theory, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, it becomes trivial. Mm. <sighs> blinding review. Blinding review is hard, and it's one of these places where what we wish to happen as an outcome runs into the messy practicalities and strategies of being able to get there. Um, I've obviously talked in this venue many times before about how poorly blinded papers that I've received before have been blinded. Because it becomes very serious. To do it well, in many circumstances, it becomes very serious editorial work. Author name redacted, author name redacted, title. It gives down to the method descriptions in our papers, and then it says... Uh, <laughs> Stanford undergraduates. <laughs> in, 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 our, in our papers, that it says Iwasawa, uh, 2008, 2009, 2011. Oh, right. But some people, some people were noting that in people were pitching and going, "Oh, yeah, in my field, we did double blind reviews, but 
The high status authors get around that by making it very obvious it's them. When they write their papers, oh, they, they do. It's like oh, it's wink, it's I wink, never wink. Encountered that. It's wink, wink. We've redacted our names, but they mention they make it very obvious. Oh yeah, it's me. It's me, baby. So, <laughs> and look, it, it's. I think it'd be fair if they just wrote that. Yeah, it's <laughs> paper by it's me, baby. It's me. <laughs> Every so, paper by powers a. Yeah, this, this is the thing that's happening, and they, they're getting around this. They they realize that yeah, status plays into their advantage, and they're in a field where this is common. Yes, they get around it this way. Oh, what a fucking hassle! Yeah, so um, the people make the argument. Well, we we may as well just make it um, <laughs> make it the same for everyone. Look, I'm on the side. Prove me wrong, but I'm on the side here that I think transparency and preprints makes it better for low status folks. Because previously, you simply, this is admitting that you can't, if you're low status, you can't get your work out in the fancy venues or you can't get your work out full stop because it's getting rejected. It's harder for your work to get reviewed in the first place. Yet now with preprints, which which will, you know, if you do a lot of digging, remove or, or at least get in the way of double blinding, your work is out there. Mm, yeah. Well, it's not out there, it's citable, uh, capable of being included in most grant applications or most mechanisms. Unless you're in, unless you're in the, um, uh, the Australian Research yeah. Council. Let's not get into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ten yeah. minutes of yelling saved up for that. <laughs> um, I wonder if you'd think differently if you were from a much more parochial field. Mm, yeah. Of which there are still many. Um, but I wonder if you'd be much more dismissive of the whole idea if you were from a very small field. I have a friend who's a biologist. There are three labs that work on the particular phenomenon that he works on. Okay. One, two, three. So he knows... Everyone. <laughs> and if How does he get peer review? And if he knows all his peers. If he's a, if there you go. So, you know, if he has sent a paper that is on what he studies, it's from them or them. And that's the end of the story. Now, someone with that experience, I think, would have no emotional valence with this at all. But I bet you. There's very powerful, cabalistic people who maintain research areas, little tin Hitlers, and have little fiefdoms who could be quite profoundly hamstrung by a reasonable attempt to be able to do this. So I imagine that a reasonable answer begins with some sort of field specificity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. At the very least, it would be good to ensure that the basket of journals available across a field was representing both an anonymous and okay. a fully identifiable field. Or if any individual journal had an option. I mean, of course, that, in, that itself opens up possibilities for game theory. But uh, you know, the thing's coming. It's anonymous. They don't want me to know who they are. Is it a is it a fancy person looking for honest feedback, 
Or is it someone who is trying to establish a reputation, who is looking to not be judged for being people, a people recent entry that, to the field? For sure. The journal has to be one or the other. Yeah. So if I, if I did that, I would, I would offer that. And then occasionally when fancy people wrote to me, I would write back and ask them politely if I could double-blind it for them when they weren't expecting to write a double-blinded paper. And occasionally someone would agree. And then we'd see. I, I don't think they would agree. I, I, well, they might, Daniel. Um, I think you could get very grainy with something like this. And it's very hard to... The, the whole sort of blithe academic policy pronouncement that solves everything is unlikely to uh, be worth a pinch of shit one way or the other. Um, certainly, the um, I mean, my attitude to stick everything in the public domain and be damned is obviously well understood at this particular point in time, but I have affordances that are synergistic with why I behave that way. I don't think peer reviewers are going out of their way to unmask the identity of people. Some, not well, all. Considering the work I've done, you could probably understand that I always tried to. <laughs> I was just so curious. I can't help it. I'm like a squirrel. Yeah, a, we- a weird squirrel. But in general, I don't think people are. I don't think people are doing this. People aren't going. Oh, who's this person? Let's let, let's Google the title to see if it comes out as a preprint. No, that's just it happens. You. That's you. Yeah, that's what it happens because you you're a freak. <laughs> well, I don't think it's. I don't think it's the answer. It's well, certainly. I'm, op- it's, I'm open to being convinced otherwise, though. No, this is a bit. What, I don't know. I don't know if it's the answer. Or not. I, I, I hope that. I basically, I think everyone should have what they want when it comes to something like this because it's not particularly difficult to organize. But I think you'd really struggle to push it on people. I don't think there's a mechanism by which you can compel other people to do this. Unless the journal makes a policy. Yeah, but then you have to go around telling journals to make things policies. It's up to the journal to do it. I know. And you're convincing convincing editorial boards one at a time. We can have Chris Chambers back on, and he can swear for 20 minutes telling you what it's like (laughs) to convince editors one at a time over a period of years. Now, that's where progress comes from. Like a good idea, followed by a lot of hard work over a long period of time. Ta-da! Fun. Um, but does it offer? Does it confer benefits that are like that? Does it confer benefits that are in the um registered report kind of range? Well, I mean, probably not is the answer because that's a very good idea. Um, that is not only extremely progressive, but works very seamlessly in the mechanisms we've already set up. Mm-hmm. Um, and even that, you know, a period of years, it's like a like a fucking colonoscopy with two part review. It's just there's a lot. Look, anyway, this is it's obviously not something that we could solve here, and. I think it would be. F- I think it would be fun if you want to do an exercise. You want something that you can actually do. I would start trying to convince the fanciest people in the in the area to experiment with it themselves. To ask nicely if that was an experience that they could have. 
you know? Submit anonymous papers. Start, a, start, start, a, start an ex- experiment and, you know, try and find a hundred fancy papers where that was either offered by the journal or something that could be conferred um, and try to convince fancy people, giving them the experience of having something that was really actually, honest to God, properly double-blinded. And then seeing what their experience of the process was, whether or not people were more dismissive, whether or not they were more or less likely to review. Um, well, this study whether found or not people, people were nastier. Counter arguments, etc. I think you want to go to the source and convince the um, the people who would benefit from the sort of conferral of their own reputation with the work. In, in this study, they actually found that people tended to be nicer. To although the although the rejection rate was higher for the for the early career researcher, mm-hmm. they were a little bit nicer in their responses compared to the anonymous person. So they realised, oh, that's good. There's, there's a human. There's a human here. There is a person. Yeah, but but they knew they were part of an experiment. Well, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, they was they were still they were still nastier or not as nice to the anonymous person, but still. At least knowing they're a part of an experiment, they can say, "Oh, this is this is this is a real person." Mm. But hey, like, look, this this, this journal. Oh, also, this is a journal that uh, that pays reviewers fifty bucks, mate. Fifty bucks per review. Ooh. Economics. This is this is the thing. This is not uncommon in economics. So they had two thousand ish reviewers, and they were all paid fifty bucks. So they were they were talking about the the well. ethical implications of wasting, um, <laughs> you know. All, all this time to review it, but they're saying, well, it got paid. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> well, I mean, this is the uh, this is the father of experimental economics speaking. So I'm pretty sure that putting the money aside and seeing how uh, that played out as an interactive factor with people's behavior is something that they do, in fact, understand. Yeah, yeah. You should probably listen to the economics folks. Sometimes. We... <laughs> we're, we're going to wrap up for this episode uh, we'll post a link to the, the preprint or the, the working paper so you can read it for yourself thanks I, for listening I hope, I hope they add more stuff I, oh, I think I, I, I feel maybe 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 it's a work in progress I, if there's a, I mean this is it's ob- obviously it's a great thing to, to, to study it's a, it's a mm. good topic but I hope the working paper keeps, keeps working we're really interested to see what that goes yeah, I want, I want to see the results here. So very maybe we can maybe we can have the uh, Sabio on and Let's apolog- get Sabio and, on and apologize for butchering his name. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon for more. Everything hurts. See you later. <laughs>